So as I prepare to land this series on eldership, we're closing this series uh, this evening. I want to take the opportunity to speak to um, a few questions or concerns um, that we haven't had the chance to as of yet. So for example, when we announced uh, that we were intending to put on a new elder, I made the point that only men were eligible to be nominated. And I'm so thankful, actually, that some of you felt like you could come and talk to me about that, um, ask questions, raise concerns. Um, we're better than leaving anonymous notes to one another <laughs> under, under our doors, aren't we? We want to create a church culture that we can speak openly and, and honestly about these things um, and love one another in the midst of differences of, of opinions or differences of, of belief. So I want to address that topic as best I can uh, now. We live in a very egalitarian culture today, right, where any distinction in roles, in gender roles, is um, arouses suspicion and actually uh, most of the time even hostility. But the Bible uh, unapologetically makes such distinctions. Okay, so one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is this. Is this because the Bible is a representative patriarchal text that needs to be updated and adapted to fit into our modern sensibilities? Or, uh, or is it because God actually made men and women differently to fulfil distinct uh, but complementary roles? Uh, and then we believe it's, it's the latter. It's not about ability. It's not about ability. It's actually about... Uh, design and it's a relationship of interdependence. Interdependence. So that is, it has has to do with how God intends us to complement one another um, as men and and women. And when we read Scripture, we see we see His design and we see the pattern uh, of men bearing the responsibility for spiritual leadership in the home and in the church. Hence, the office of an elder, where possible is to be filled by godly, competent and compatible men. So this is not a matter of empowering men and disempowering women. It's actually a matter of freeing both men and women um, to enjoy the, the harmony of this robust interdependence. I suppose a theological term uh, for all this is, is complementarianism, if that means anything uh, to you. Now, having said that, Okay, we're aware of a few things. Number one, we're aware that some of you think differently about this. We're aware that some of you are actually still forming your convictions on this. Uh, and that's okay, uh, but it's helpful to know where we stand. We're also aware that the... Uh, by the way, this, this topic is not a taboo topic, okay? Um, you should feel free to, to talk about this amongst yourselves, um, to chat to me about it in, in grace and in love. But I want to encourage us as we do this, grace and love, I want to encourage us as we do this to actually do it through the lens of Scripture. Use the lens of Scripture as the means through which we evaluate this and, 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 and view this. So, so there's, there's an encouragement. We're also aware, by the way, that the church hasn't always done a good job of equipping and empowering and encouraging women to serve and to lead in all sorts of ways. And I believe this to be to the church's great shame and detriment. We want to do better here. We want to do better. Uh, be patient with this, but we want to do better. 
It's also true to say that men haven't always done a good job, haven't always been faithful, haven't always been willing to lead their families uh, and, and churches. And I believe this to be a great shame and detriment to the church too. And so one of the reasons actually that I'm doing this series in the first place is to encourage our elders, our present elders, our current elders, um, and also any future elders, train any future elders amongst us as to the responsibilities of eldership. So once again, it's not a taboo topic. Feel free to talk, to, talk about this amongst yourselves and, and to me. Do so in grace and love and use Scripture as a grid through which we view and evaluate it. But today we, we conclude our series in uh, 1 Peter. Um, thanks for, for reading that, uh, Chris. We actually touched on this passage right at the beginning of our series, but it's worth concluding with it as well as to what, because it, it says something very important um, to elders and, and of elders too. And so Peter wrote to a people who were scattered and were suffering griefs of all, of all sorts of kind and uh, of all sorts of um, kinds. And actually this was the context in which Peter writes uh, to these people, to these scattered groups of Christians and speaks as to how we ought to relate to one another. And actually he begins with instructions to uh, elders and he impresses upon them the significance and the responsibility of their task. And he begins there, he says, to the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder. Verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. We sing a uh, carol at Christmas time, don't we? Uh, While shepherds watch their flocks by night. I think that's it. Well, shepherds watch their flocks by now. That was the job of a shepherd. The job of a shepherd was to uh, oversee, to watch over the flock. And so likewise, elders are tasked, elders are to oversee um, the flock that is under their care. But friends, it is possible to do so, to have the, the wrong motives in doing so. And so Peter goes on to list three contrasting pairs of motives. So that is, look, don't do it for this reason, do it for this reason. And so number one there, uh, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. The church should never pressure anyone into eldership. God wants men who want to serve, not those who simply do it because they feel like they must, uh, because there is nobody else, um, or perhaps someone else expects it of them. Second, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. And so it's possible here, in fact, likely that the elders were in charge of the the church's bank account, the common funds uh, of the church. And so here, um, Peter has in mind the danger of actually misusing them for their personal benefit. Now, that's not the case here um, at at, at TNPC, which I'm very thankful for. But this instruction here, this, this warning would particularly apply to those of us who make our living in the ministry. Um, And so both, uh, we've actually just had a series on this, haven't we? Both uh, Paul and Jesus are clear that those who work deserve to be taken care of. However, they both rebuke leaders for using ministry as a means for making money. Now, if this was true in the first century, right, when the church was only this relatively small movement, how much truer is it in the 21st century when Christian leaders 
can become millionaires. And so sadly, there, there are some Christians or church leaders, think of um, Kenneth Copeland or Benny Hinn or Joel Osteen or Joseph Prince, who have turned ministry into a money-making industry. That's, that's what it is for them. No, elders must be eager to serve. And so thirdly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And this came up earlier in our series when we considered how it is that elders are meant to lead God's flock, but it's worth uh, reinforcing. Elders are, to, <coughs> elders are to use their authority. <coughs> Sorry. Elders are to use their authority to serve those that they oversee, not abuse their authority um, by, by being overbearing. Like Christ, they must be servants and not bosses. And elders in this way should be able to say with Paul, Paul says this, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so elders must serve with the right heart motivation and not half-heartedly but wholeheartedly. Last week after church, after morning church, um, this, this series has actually generated a fair bit of discussion which I'm very thankful for. Uh, as I was chatting to someone about the real responsibilities that elders have, someone remarked, who even would want to be an elder, right? As if to say, the responsibilities must be overwhelming. And it's true. The responsibilities are very rarely underwhelming. They're very often overwhelming. Shepherding is a high calling with a high cost, but it also comes with a high reward. And so Peter says there, and when the chief shepherd appears you receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now I take this reward to ultimately be eternal life, right? And so this is promised to all believers, not just to elders, but elders will receive this crown from the chief shepherd, a fact that ought to humble elders and actually embolden them. So Peter writes, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. So today we're trying to have a think about how it is that elders ought to care for God's flock. Now I suspect that uh, most of you will have certain ideas, certain expectations as to how it is that elders uh, ought to care for you, right? I suspect it involves cups of tea. Or that's that's sort of the, the, mor- the morning congregation was cups of tea. Um, here cups of coffee maybe. Um, I suspect it's uh, yeah, a beer, yes. Um, I suspect it might involve hospital visits, um, Bible reading, counselling, prayer, and I want to say yes to all those things. But all this has a certain point to it. It has a certain shape to it, okay? So the way in which elders are primarily cared, called to care for you is by helping you believe and apply the gospel Believe and apply the gospel amidst the challenges and the circumstances of everyday life. And so what does it mean to believe and apply the gospel when you lose your job? What does it mean to believe and apply the gospel when your kids are in trouble? Or when your marriage is falling apart? Or when you receive a hopeless diagnosis? When you feel trapped in patterns of habitual sin, what does it mean to believe and apply the gospel amidst the challenges and circumstances of everyday life? See, being an elder is a little like 
being a spiritual doctor, a spiritual GP. And the greatest resources that we have at our disposal uh, is the good news of the gospel. And so with the gospel, elders diagnose uh, spiritual disease and treat spiritual illness. illness. With the gospel, elders celebrate Past, uh, celebrate spiritual health and encourage spiritual wellness. And like a good doctor, elders apply the pastoral medicine of the gospel to the various aches and pains of the human soul. And they relentlessly, tirelessly labour to present everyone mature in Christ. You see, so many of our burdens actually stem from the fact that we have failed to appreciate the height and the breadth and the depth of the gospel. The gospel is a medicine that we all need, and not just the once when we are first saved, but we need it again and again and again as we believe it and apply it amidst the challenges and the circumstances of everyday life. As Paul concludes his first letter to the Thessalonians, he gives us this snapshot as to what this looks like in practice. And so he writes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, Help the weak, be patient with everyone. Now notice, we are all called to this ministry. It is a ministry to one another. But it captures how it is that elders must apply the medicine of the gospel. And so some people are idle and disruptive and they need to be admonished. Some people are faint-hearted. They need to be encouraged. And still others are weak and they need to be helped. And the word translated as helped means something like to be attached to or to be faithful to or to be ready, standing by, ready to help. And above all and with all, one must be patient. But I just want to remind you and challenge you that this is not just the work of the elders. It is our work among each other. You have a job Two, Paul writes elsewhere, but God has put the body together that its parts should have equal concern for one another. But it's the responsibilities of the elders to see that this sort of gospel ministry thrives amongst us. Now, having preached on eldership, I'm aware that no one's going to want to become an elder now. Um, even Bob, I said even Bob perhaps uh, this morning might be having second thoughts. Too late for him. Um, however, yeah, it is true, right? The responsibility is real. The responsibility is real. Um, but thankfully, the Bible consistently speaks not of an elder, but of elders, plural, okay? Uh, I was recently ordained and inducted uh, to be the minister here at TMPC, but I will be working within a team. I am working within a team. God willing, a growing team uh, of elders and that God designed a plurality of elders for each local church. What does that mean? What does that imply? It implies that no one person has the sufficient gifting and the sufficient uh, energy or insight or perspective to do all that is needed in order to 
feed and lead and protect and care for God's flock. And so I am very thankful for the elders here and the different gifts in which they bring to the table, the different stories in which they bring to the table. But I want to close by challenging, uh, not the elders, I've challenged them enough uh, throughout the series. I want to close by challenging uh, each and every one of you, actually. The flock that is under our care. By asking you this question, are you willing to be shepherded? Are you willing to be shepherded? You see, you're not God's flock in some sort of general, abstract way, okay? You are particular sheep in a particular paddock under particular shepherds. And so... By committing to a local church, you're submitting yourself to the leadership of these particular shepherds so that they can shepherd you. But my word, there is a big difference between a headstrong, stiff-necked sheep who must be goaded to move an inch and, um, and a sheep who willingly allows himself or herself to be led. And so on that note, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Do I receive the spiritual nourishment that my shepherds offer in their preaching or their teaching or their biblical counsel? Do I seek it out? Do I follow the guidance of my shepherds and support them as I make decisions concerning the life of the church? Do I allow myself to be led? Do I seek protection of my shepherds? Do I seek the protection of my shepherds, taking seriously their warnings against sin and false teaching? And finally, do I allow myself to be known by my shepherds, committing myself to the flock, but also being transparent with the elders about my spiritual concerns? It's very hard to care for you if we don't know you. Now, some of that is on us. Some of that's on you. Friends, no matter how ordinary or inadequate elders may seem, they're Christ's gift to his church. And when we are willing to be shepherded by them, it'll be for our good. At the beginning of our series, I explained why it was that we're going to do this series in the first place and number one was leadership is a little bit of a hot topic in our culture today, isn't it? Second, we were and actually still are in the process of putting on a new elder here at TMPC and I was recently ordained and inducted as a pastor elder here. And three, if you're thinking about becoming a member here and if we're going to move forward together as a church, we all need to be clear as to how we are and are not uh, governed and I said, expect to be challenged. I said, expect to be surprised. I, I said, expect a deeper level of community. Expect a deeper love for Christ and his church. And it's my hope and prayer that actually that, that has been uh, the case. Friends, you've heard over the past four weeks the testimonies of your elders. And uh, we would like to say that we are still learning. Uh, we're still growing. We want to be better 
Uh, but let's, let's be better together as those whom God has called to lead and uh, those whom God have called to be led. Let's, let's do that together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Scriptures and for the way in which you speak to us through them. We thank you for the way in which you have uh, set up your church and the way in which there are accountabilities and support structures there. And we thank you, particularly thank you this evening for all the elders here at TMPC. And we pray for your blessing upon them as they seek to, to feed us and to lead us and to protect us uh, and uh, to care for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.